Folks, if your financial professional tends to speak in terms of their industry jargon, it can be confusing, but it's important to have clarity, which is why I so recommend Arif Halaby of Total Financial Solutions. My wife Sue and I are Arif's clients because he provided us with such clarity. He is very knowledgeable and capable when it comes to reliable retirement income. Tune into Arif Halaby's show, The Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM 870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategy strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power, Total Financial Hour. Hey, welcome to the show. I'm Eric Halaby, the Total Financial Hour, talking about your family's finances, getting out of debt, managing money, of course, planning for the future. When we talk about what the uh, what the future holds, I think you have to be uh, eyes open, maybe informed. You know, a lot of times in, in the past, we just trusted our companies. We went to work. We were 32 years, gold watch, a pension. You die two and a half years later, life was good. Right. If there's studies that show over and over that the longer a company can get you to work for them, especially companies with pensions, the less likely they are to pay out a large enough pension. That's why they bait you. That's why they say if you work two more years, if you work till age 62, if you work to 65, if you work 30 years instead of 25, we're going to give you 25% more of your pension. You're thinking, wow, five more years and I get a quarter more of my pension? You know, the numbers sound good, and sometimes we have to. Sometimes it's the only way to make the numbers work. But I want you to think about this for a minute. You see, companies have two different buckets of money. That's why when companies lay people off and give you a two-year severance, most normal people don't understand that. They go, well, well, why is that? Just keep paying me for the next two years. Just let me keep working for the next two years. But when companies do that, when they give you a six-month or a one-year severance, you see they're paying out of two separate buckets. One is the salary payroll bucket. The other is the pension bucket. So if they can give you a pension, but they're only going to draw on those dollars for a short period of time because you're going to pass away, right? The stress on your body drives you into a, a much more unhealthy way of being just because it is, 
then they want to shift you from salary payroll over to pension as fast as possible. So that transition, that that severance pay is a way to get you, it's, it's justifiable, it's a way to move you from the left pocket into the right pocket. Then it doesn't affect their stock price. It doesn't affect their numbers when it's profit and loss time. How much money is going out the door? It's kind of hidden money. Right? For some of you, you know this, the President of the United States, I don't know when this happened. I know it's been there for at least 20 years. I've been doing radio about 19 years, so I know it's been been going on uh, for at least that period of time. So we'll call it 20 years. That the President of the United States literally has his own piggy bank. It's about $200 billion on the last count, which is some time ago. So it could be a lot more than that. $200 billion. The president can direct off-book money. Now, there's kind of two levels. That's one big bucket where there's some discretion to, to what he can spend it on. And then there's about 150 to $250 million with an M that is basically his own piggy bank. Send it over here. Do this. Pay here. That's why when you see somebody like the Bidens, the corruptness of the Bidens, where you ask, what is, what is Hunter's job again? Right? How is he eating dinner each night? What does he do for, for money? What, there's no accounting. Literally, it's off book. It would be like owning a pizzeria, let's say, oh, I don't know, in Little Italy back in the 60s and 70s. And you would report one set of books and then you would have another set of books. And because they weren't really creating pizzas, right? They, they weren't really. They were just running it as a front for money laundering, mafia days way back. What you would have is this pizzeria would hide the correct books, guess where? In the oven, because they weren't using the oven. And that's where the term cook the books come from. You understand that? I mean, that's pretty powerful, right? When you think to this, you think to yourself, where is all the dollars going? What are the dollars doing? That's a pretty big deal. Because I think you need to have in your mind what is happening with the president of the United States' son. Now, at first you might say, well, that's such a sideshow that really doesn't matter. Not true, because you can't be smart enough to run all of those shell corporations and at the same time be a crack addict, snorting coke off the body and body parts of prostitutes. You can't be both of those people, right? I mean, you can have flashes of brilliance, so if you're running these corporations for two hours a day and the 22 hours a day you're either sleeping or you're stoned, I, I, I guess, may, maybe, there are, there are people that operate as what they call functional drunks. You know who they are. Some of you are listening. You know you really do have a problem with alcohol, but you can function and you kind of check that box and you say everything's okay. So maybe you can be a functioning crack addict. I've never met somebody in my, my near 11 years in the police department. I, I never saw that person. I, I always saw the end result or maybe the beginning and, and, and the end, middle and the end, where if you were a crack addict on the streets, you were pretty bad pretty quick. Heroin, it, it, it got you usually the first time. Crack, the same thing. Meth, absolutely. So so I don't, I don't know what his thing is. I don't know if he's still smoking crack, if he's snorting cocaine, what he's doing. But I can tell you, you cannot be that smart 
to run these corporations, filter these dollars, sit on these boards, and at the same time, be somebody who is that addicted and spending millions of dollars on prostitutes and drugs. So then the question is, where's that money going? Who is the director? Who is the person? My impression is it's, it's Jill Biden. Jill and Joe Biden are the masterminds behind this story. That's why they're not going to let Devin Archer testify tomorrow. They'll serve him with a subpoena. U.S. Marshals, the FBI will come in and arrest him as he's walking into the courthouse. You will see something dramatic like that happen. For national security, check the box. Move on, please. They're not going to let him testify. That's why they keep pushing it off. It's pretty scary. And, And you ask, well, what is this? do to me and how does this affect me in my my financial life well it's very simple because the objective for the for the left is to keep you busy on the other side of things because when you think about all of the crazy fear mongering and what the next crazy world domination of killer bees or or well they they wouldn't lie to you they they wouldn't lie to you to redirect money to their friends slash Solyndra slash Obama, right? You, you won't, you don't think they would make up stories. <laughs> That's so funny. That would never happen. So let's see what happened in 1989. The associate press relayed a warning from UN official, i.e. credibility. He's smart. You're not. So be quiet and sit down. A senior. Not, no, 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 no. Not a UN environmental official. No, no, no. This is, AP reporting that a senior UN environmental official says entire nations could be wiped off the face of the earth by rising sea levels if global warming trend is not reversed by the year 2000. Yeah, I love it because (laughs) Noel Brown, or Noel Brown, director of the New York office of the United Nations Environmental Program, another program that should be wiped off the face of the earth actually is this program, Shifting climate patterns would bring back the 1930s Dust Bowl conditions to Canadian and U.S. wet uh, wheat lands. Oh, what? Instead, the U.S. and global farm production has rose. More than one billion people worldwide rose out, out of extreme poverty due to the economic growth. And P.S., as of 2019, we're pretty confident no nations were wiped off the earth. Oh, that's interesting. How about 1975? Let's go back a little bit. Because the prediction was famine 1975, America's decision, who will survive? It's a best-selling book that came out in 1967, and they wanted to scare the daylights out of you that the world did not have enough food. Now, what were they using? Remember, it was the global freezing. Newsweek has an article. Try to research it. Snopes will redirect you that says Times Magazine was, and and they do a red herring, right? Snopes, the left-wing fact-checking organization, decides to run through this whole direction of making sure you looked at the left hand while the right hand was shifting money from one hand to the left. And it was going into the hands of a lot of, uh, listen, a lot of uh, elites in in, uh, D.C. and in Sacramento. But they try to scare the daylights out of you. And so in 1967, the best-selling book that, that was called Famine 1975, exclamation point. Americans' decision, who will survive? Uh, it, it didn't happen. I, I just want you to know. 
global freezing as a danger. It's as dangerous as nuclear war. <laughs> Listen, the problem is, so, so this was UC Davis. Professor Kenneth Watt, who warned, this is in, uh, let's see if I can come up with the year. It doesn't say the year. Kenneth Watt, if you're still at UC Davis, you should be terminated and your pension revoked. Just sorry, Kenneth Watt. Maybe you've passed away. Your wife should get one year to figure it out and we should revoke because you created something. You stole money as a UC Davis professor and you warned that present trends would make the world 11 degrees colder by the year 2000, about twice what it would take to put us in an ice age. A British, uh, British science writer, Nigel Calder, said the same kind of thing in 1975. So if you're still around, Nigel, uh, the, the British public should shun you. You should be shamed and you should go away. Now, I, why do I say this? Because look, a kind and a Christian soul would give would give forgiveness. Uh, listen, I forgive you, but there's consequences to your action. Right, right? My job is to judge your actions. And those of you out there that say you're not supposed to judge actions, you're wrong. You do it every day and it's still correct. Uh, Susie, I don't want you to date that guy. Why? Well, because he has a, motor, um, a motorcycle or, or a van, right? Your 16-year-old daughter pulls up. Uh, that's my boyfriend, daddy. And he's got a white van with no windows, tattoos, body piercings, smoking a joint, standing at your front door with his pants at his ankles. Are you really going to let Susie go out on Friday night with Johnny? Wait, fathers, you said no? Mothers, you said no? You judgy little people. I don't care what race he is. You see, when the left lost the conversation about race, I'm not saying there's still discrimination that hurt that happens. Of course it does. Or there's still favoritism that Jimmy is going to hire people from his fraternity. Of course that happens. You're a fraternity brother from Gamma Maka Waka. Fine. Great. You are my fraternity brother. You get the job at Morgan Stanley. Oh, well, of course those things happen. Not that guy. Because he went to community college and then a, a public school. And you went to the private school on the East Coast. I'm going to hire you at my new law firm. That stuff has happened, will happen, has happened, is happening forever. You see, when race was no longer a part of it, when fraternities and sororities were integrated, when suddenly people were judged by the content of the character, the money flowing into the Jesse Jackson and the Al Sharptons, the Rainbow Coalition, etc., the money started coming down because nobody was believing them anymore. You had males and females rising up in, in the workplace. Of course not equal because women have, have other jobs that they want to do. Look to see Jordan Peterson's review on, quote, the income inequality. It's just not true. Just not true. Right? So once the, 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 the black uh, victimhood racist victimhood group started seeing that regular average black Americans were doing pretty good and, and having a pretty good chance and they were moving up. Not perfect. Come on now. Never will be. But moving in the right direction, the need for this victim uh, uh, industry 
started going away. So then what started happening about a decade ago? Harvard did black graduations, black dorms. Can you imagine if there were just redhead, Irish redhead dorms? Sorry, you have to be a redhead. Oh, we have to look at your roots to really see. Move. Nope. Did you dye your hair red? Up. Oh, get out. You, you, uh, culturally appropriation, trying to be Irish. Get, go. Right? You guys would say, uh, that's a problem. But when Harvard and Yale says they're going to do black graduations or gay ceremonies or, or, or black dorms, and Brown and Columbia and UCLA have black sororities and fraternities. Do you understand how powerfully divisive that is? And it comes from finding a place to keep you angry and scared. So massive warming by the year 2000. Why does that have to do with you know both things? Very simple. You're preoccupied. You're looking to the left and you're scared to death. And the only one only way to fix this is not to come together as Americans, which is a group of people with similar ideas. It's a way to divide you, get scared, move to your corner, get scared, go with your people that look like you, that act like you, that think like you. But except for 50 years, it's been about economy. It's, it's the economics. Poor people would rather be around poor people. Why? Because they hate rich people, because they were taught to hate rich people. And rich people hate poor people. Why? Because they've been continually taught that poor people are bad. You see, you're more likely to get a job in a law firm if you're a male black from that fraternity on the East Coast than you would be if you're a male white from a fraternity in a public community college type setting. So, so you understand, it's, just a, it's not about race. It's about I want my economic and cultural ideas to continue. So if you agree i.e. you have the pedigree, the background, your dad is so-and-so, your mom is so-and-so. Then this UN official in, in, in the year 2000 predicting the loss of entire nations by the year of 2000, one to seven degrees rise in the next 30 years. Liar, wrong. The temperature rose about a half a degree Celsius, uh, which is well within norms, just so you know. And why in the daylights... Are any of you still listening to Al Gore? Right? Uh, listen, uh, this is important. Because when I watch the, the Fox Business, the CNBC, the Bloomberg, and my job is to learn about this stuff so that you don't have to, right? As, as a very wise EIB network guy says, I listen, I watch the news so you don't have to. Right, my job is to pay attention to the economic news. So I'm always involved. I mean, it's a bit of an avocation and almost an obsession. That's my job is to keep an eye on what's going on and, and to best interpret it for you. That's what I do. So when I see uh, in January the best stock picks for 2023, and by the summer, by the first quarter, by the second quarter, and I listen to those guys, and then I hear what they have to say, and then I look at the results, and the guy was wrong or dishonest, then I say, I'm not going to listen to you again. Uh, you might be a nice person. You could be a godly man. You, you might be going to heaven. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll play pickleball together in heaven. I, I don't know. But we're just not, I'm just not listening to your ideas anymore because you've been consistently wrong. So you have to have some intellectual accountability 
to the people in your industry, right? Why would you watch a weatherman or a weatherwoman on TV when all she's doing is giving you the wrong information? It's going to rain and it's sunny. It's sunny and it's going to rain. You make your plans around the weather. Every day you do. You wouldn't ever watch that lady giving out her weather cast again. So why in 2000, and uh, let's see, here's, uh, I want to get Al Gore. Oh, Al Gore says in 2006, while promoting his movie, uh, that could not be an ulterior motive, but it might. Let's just, I'm going to play cynic for just a minute. In 2006, while promoting his movie, an inconvenient truth, Al Gore said that humanity had only 10 years left before the world would reach a point of no return. Gore's movie also featured animations of water inundated, inundating rather, Manhattan and Florida. The eye of destruction. The doomsday clock hovers at two minutes to midnight. Yet Al Gore's point, 10 years, that's 2016. We're about eight or nine years uh, late, too late, done. So what did he do? Just a few years later, he bought an $8 million beachfront property in L.A., <laughs> right, right, probably close to Malibu or the or Palos Verdes or something. Can you imagine this? I wish the climate cat cat uh, cat. Oh gosh, catastrophes. Oh, that's just a word. Practice what they preached, and sold me the beachfront property at a steep discount. <laughs> that's what people are saying. Oh, you know, I think you're right. Listen, the world is ending. Everybody, run to the left. Oh, you know, don't mind me. I'm going to buy your shop. Oh, wait, the government just said that you have to sell everything at the cheap and we're in a, oh, I don't know, let's just call it a German town. No wonder. You see, my point is you have to understand that the left only wins if they keep you scared. It has nothing to do with facts. They could be correct sometimes, but it's not because they are trying to be correct. It's because they are trying to scare you. Now, the deep, deep, deep scientists might have discounted anything that would be contrary to what their belief is. So what they will do is they will only focus on one particular part. You see, the tendencies of the left wing is about control. You have to realize that. The KKK was about scaring you. They didn't have to kill and lynch Blacks throughout the South. The Democrats did one thing and one thing only. They just did one, two, ten. They did some. Of course they. But they put a few crosses in. And then the rest was about a wink and a nod. You understand your place. Don't think you're this. They didn't want to wipe out every male or female black in the South. That's not what they wanted to do. The black people in the South still there. Why? Because they have a courage inside of them to fight, to survive. And the left wing did not want to allow that. So, in the middle of the Jim Crow South, the left wing is about control. That's why you had the black uh, drinking fountains and the color, you know, colored drinking fountains at the time. White, what? C- uh, cafeteria counters, this counter top, this counter. You realize that didn't exist in Republican towns, at least not anywhere near the same level. 
And you say, well, that, that's just an anomaly, Eric. I understand the Democrats were part of the KKK and the Jim Crow South and the laws and the rules and Plessy versus Ferguson and all the, the court rulings were really fought for and not in my backyard and none of those kids will come into the school in Alabama. All Democrats, you understand that. But, but Arif, Arif, it's not the new Democrats. The new Democrats were really kind of, kind of came from, you know, Franklin Roosevelt. He was kind of that fresh beginning and really codified by a John F. Kennedy and, and really they changed things. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Who was the president that was elected? I think it was four times, served about 10 years. It's a man by the name of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Remember FDR? Yeah. Something called the Japanese internment camps. Does that sound familiar? One of the most celebrated Democrats on the side of the Democrats interned Japanese Americans. Second generation. In other words, you were born here. Some of them didn't even speak Japanese. Do you understand what they did, what the Democrats did to the Japanese? Why? Fear. Fear. It's about fear. Scare the daylights out of the public. And you followed it. You notice why they were the ones pitching, pitching, right? Throwing out the idea for George W. Bush to intern Muslims and Arabs after 9-11. Never did, did he? Because he was a Christian man. I don't agree with everything he said or did. Of course not. Even if I'm president, I'm going to probably change my mind. Married 32 years this last week. Don't agree with her 100% of the time. Certain she doesn't agree with me 100% of the time. George W. Bush did not intern Muslims and Arabs in 9-11. Franklin Delano Roosevelt did intern Japanese. Do you need any more examples? Right? The companies that gave billions, probably, certainly millions, hundreds of millions, to BLM and Antifa, well, we're going to come, come to what their story is and how that affects your pocketbook when we come back. I'm Arif Halaby, 888-99-RETIRE, 888 997-3847-888-99 retire give us a call this week anytime be right back after the break and at the top of the hour your emails when we return now every dollar's got a job to do Arab makes your money work for you learn about financial power the total financial hour learn about financial power the total financial hour Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial Hey, welcome back. Thank you for staying with me. Arab Halaby, the total financial hour, TFS Financial Insurance Services. Uh, we're, we're talking about your family's finances. I, I need you to understand how all of this is integrated. So many times I speak with people, they say, oh, Eric, uh, retirement, that's nice, but I just don't want to get into politics. Today, I'm sorry, it is all intertwined. If you don't have at least an elementary knowledge of how these things interact and combine to either charge you greater fees in taxes when you go to the store, when you buy gas, when you, when you buy eggs, I mean, all of these things are integrated through political ideas because the government has decided to wean its way into your life very slowly, but through multiple organizations. So I, as I went to break, 
a second ago I talked about uh, BLM and Antifa. The companies, many companies, the Nikes, the, the NBA, all of these companies gave millions of dollars in advertising, free advertising, and actual cash donations. And they did so in ways not because they believed in what they actually stood for, but really, I, I think, because their goal was to make you, it's the symbolism over substance. It's to make you think or look like they care. Right? So here's what I mean. What do you think happened to the t- to the prices of tickets at NBA games? Did they go up or down? That's right. What about the food and beverage? $10, $12, $15, $20 for a beer and a hot dog. You can't get out of there for less than $200 if you wanted some peanuts and a, and a hamburger or hot dog. Right? You understand that. Did the cost of those things go up or down? Well, of course, Arif, don't they always just go up? No, they don't. No, no, they don't, actually. Not at, not at this level. So when they give these millions of dollars and you sit on the sidelines and clap, oh, look how honorable that company is. Who do you think pays for that? You. You see, the left's idea is to not win an argument, to give you ideas why organizations, terrorist organizations, domestic terrorist organizations like BLM and Antifa, for, it, it's not like this is why it matters, Right. When the kids, if you will, the 20s and 30-year-olds, when they were arrested, you realize they were upper-middle-class or middle-class white kids, socialists, putting on black masks, black hats, felt empowered in a group to intimidate and hurt you, right? Not because they want to win an argument. Let me explain to you why this is happening to the black community. It's not at all. It was to intimidate you. It's to scare you. And if you're a God-fearing, conservative, black American, gay American, boy, don't, don't you ever stick your head up. Look at what they did to Larry Elder, right? The black face of white supremacy. That is the Los Angeles Times. Do you not understand if you are still reading and buying that and clicking on anything to do on the web, because they get credit for that, that has the Los Angeles Times in it. Do you understand how, how, how dangerous that is? Because it is no longer a journalistic enterprise. It's a propaganda enterprise. So the left's, argument, uh, left's goal is not to win an argument, but to instead to force you to change. If you don't, then they have to brand you white fra- or the, the black face of white supremacy. They have to brand you as an Uncle Tom. You see, first it was ideas like the global cooling, the killer bees, the Russians are going to invade. Of course, it turns out they had uh, you know, very, very poor military capability. You knew that. right? History now says that through the Reagan administration, we had intelligence that knew that their soldiers were starving. Same thing with North Korea. Now, do they still have more nuclear weapons than anybody on earth? Of course they do. Why do you think when the wall fell, Americans, CIA, went into Russia in 1990, 1991, went into Russia to pay off these generals, literally with cash money. Give us those suitcase nukes. Let's buy them. They're going to go on the black market. We're going to buy them. And the CIA had a program 
I don't know if it's classified still or not, but it's what it's out there to buy these nukes, to pay off these generals so that they didn't say, well, listen, my men need to, to eat dinner. So what we're going to do is, is we're going to sell them to whoever wants them, right? Global extremists, uh, terrorists, Palestinian terrorist groups, whatever. So they got them off the market. Smart move. I'm happy. I, I think they did a good job with it. But they never had the capability to invade us. But the money that was generated in the defense industry and with all the organizations that sold stuff to make sure that if we were invaded tomorrow, eh, surprise. Okay, so be clear on that. I need you to understand the changes that are happening. Because your money, your financial well-being, your financial capability that's changing every single day is called your purchasing power. You just don't have it anymore, right? So how do you protect it so that you have an ever-increasing stream of income? A lot of people are turning to reverse mortgages. Is there a place for reverse mortgages? Yeah, there is. It's not always the first go-to, and it is giving given a real bad rap in the financial industry. I want you to know that. If somebody sells reverse mortgages, they're going to say it's just sweet as pie. There's no problem. It's not true. It's a red flag, and I don't think it should be. I think it's a tool. If it's used properly, it's a great tool. If it's used improperly, it's a bad tool. But the reality at this moment is the financial industry looks at it as a desperation move. They don't give you the same responsibility, the same ability to look uh, when they look at your finances and they go, whoa, wait, back up. This person actually got a reverse mortgage. I don't like it. There's some problems. They must be desperate. They must be hurting. They must be incompetent with money on and on. And again, I don't think a lot of that is true. Maybe none of it is true. But you have to understand where a reverse mortgage. So I'm just going to give you briefly, just a a real brief uh, kind of an example of when to use it and when not to, right? We don't sell them. It's not our thing. But as a financial professional, as a certified estate planner for nearly three decades, it's my life. It's around it. So I see it. All right. If you don't have somebody who you want to leave the house to, in other words, a child or grandchild or special needs child that is going to live there when you pass away, then maybe you can consider a reverse mortgage. The other part of it is this. If you have exhausted all other sources, if you don't have children that can assist you, if you don't have part-time jobs or a pension or your social security and pension, it's just not enough. Your savings just isn't enough because I think what people are going to start doing is the same thing that happened in the 70s where seniors were losing their homes because property tax increases were happening at a very high rate. When we had Jimmy Carter inflation, if you remember that, right, this hyperinflation, they were raising property taxes at record levels. Well, the the problem is on the other side is the state of California and LA City and LA County were incompetent wasting the money. So when you waste a lot of money and then you get a greater budget, you can waste even more money. And then when the time comes to say, and now we are going to tax people at a greater amount and a senior lady or gentleman says, my pension doesn't increase the same amount as my property taxes. My my social security doesn't increase the same amount as my property taxes. Now I, now I lose my home. Okay, so 
when a reverse mortgage can come in and fill that gap, then I think it's a good thing. Who wants somebody to be homeless? That's, that's ridiculous. If you're a senior and you're in that precarious position, you have to ask yourself, does it make sense for me to take the profits out of the house now? Downsize, move out of state maybe, move into an assisted living, you know, where it's where you can do everything for yourself, but it's just in case. It's it's kind of a facility where you can keep aging and as you need more assistance, they're there for you. Some of those facilities cost a lot of money. So you need to have that. Maybe that's the reason you sell the house. Maybe you downsize and move out of state where taxes are at a lower rate. So a reverse mortgage is not always a bad thing, but the industry looks at it as such. Right? Again, maybe it just hasn't caught up. But if you have plenty of savings in your retirement accounts, if you have plenty of savings in the bank, you have really good income, and you take a reverse mortgage on the house because whatever, Tom Selleck just convinced you it was a good idea. He's good looking and and he, he never lies. Well, at the end of the day, you are now branded and it's difficult to unbrand that. Okay, so just kind of know that that it puts you into a different category and a reverse mortgage is not always a bad idea. It's just like any other tool. Right, if I use a hammer to build a house for a homeless person, it's a great hammer. If I use a hammer to hit somebody on the head and take their purse, it's a bad hammer. You understand my intentions is what decides and my actions, that decides the the value of the item. All right. Okay, I wanted to continue with something else here. I think this is rather important that most of you don't don't follow. I covered it a little bit last week and I think some of you are talking about it again this week. Listen, this global warming, it's in the middle of summer. Surprise, it's hot in the Northern Hemisphere in summer. I mean, this is ridiculous. It's like, oh my gosh, watch out, watch out. Why? Why? Because there's six birds in the sky instead of three and you might get your car that you just car washed, you know. Uh, You're like, excuse me? Why are we always afraid? 500,000 people a year in in the world die from heat. That's horrible. Most of them are in Africa, unfortunately. Four and a half million people a year die from cold. These are nas- these are worldly reported accepted numbers. If a half a million people die from heat, that's a half a million too many, I understand. But when we have nine times the amount of people die from cold and the solution is natural gas or some sort of a heating system, right? When wind and solar is just not going to work in a snowstorm, but nat gas, natural gas is amazing clean burning. And yes, it is. Don't listen to the lefties. It's clean burning. And this is a surprise. We have hundreds of years of that available in the United States. Hundreds of years. Your great grandchildren will not be alive on this earth before we run out of natural gas. Do you think that's enough time to figure out solutions on how to dispose of used and old wind turbines and used and old solar panels? Maybe we should pump the brakes just a little bit use what we have instead of shifting money to President Obama's campaign people, right? How is he making his money now? Do you understand? Solyndra, an organization that should have never been allowed to file bankruptcy the way they did, was given millions, tens of millions of dollars. The CEOs, 
the investors and the taxpayers were left holding the bag. That's President Obama. Do you not think that's the same thing that's happening right today with, with Biden, who really is doing nothing? I mean, you understand. I still stand by it. I don't think he's going to be president by the end of the year. I told you this a year ago. He's not going to be president by the end of this year. He will not be. It'll be Kamala Harris. I know some of you are cringing. So keep both hands on the wheel, please. And it will be Kamala Harris without a vice president. Because the Republican Congress is not going to allow her to put in Michelle Obama or Hillary Clinton, because you know she's going to try to do that. So if something happens to her, God forbid, then it would be Kevin McCarthy. And I think the Republican Congress likes that strategic for the last year of her presidency. So that's my thought. I think the corrupt dealings of Biden are only going to be covered up by President Obama and his team for so long. Eventually, they will see that he's an incompetent boob and will cut him loose. He has zero respect and credibility. So does our Secretary of Defense. So does our Secretary of State. They're incompetent and feckless, meaning they have nothing. So you will see this week, United States. When this starts to happen, I think between now and the end of the year, the scariest time for the United States leading up to World War II. This is the scariest time. Why? Because China's judging. Should we? Should we not? Should we? Should we not? Biden's incompetent speech says, oh, we're out of certain ammo or almost out of certain types of, of mortar rounds. Well, well, that's very powerful in a North Korea, South Korea concern. That's very powerful in a protection of Taiwan for, from China. So China is waging well, let's see. Is it worth it? Should we take a chance? We're going to cut deals with Brazil. We're going to cut deals with as many Asian countries as we can because you're either on our side or their side. And we're going to, if you think Big Brother can protect you, great. But if they can't, and Japan looks over his shoulder and sees the United States, if they can't, then you're going to want to be our friend, says China, to the Philippines, to Vietnam. Because you understand, Vietnam and China are still both communist countries. They don't kind of like each other right now. And you also have Bangladesh. You have Sri Lanka. The economies of those countries are second to almost none in that region. So this is very important. How many of them are still going to support the United States when you have somebody chasing a shiny squirrel called the environment? This is the number one, one threat to the United States. And oh, okay, wow, really? Oh, well, it must be. So you have to ask yourself, why is it that these folks are trying to scare the daylights out of you again with the environment? Maybe so that you won't follow the money to find out that Hunter Biden, every time President Obama, uh, sorry, President Trump receives a better poll, better poll numbers, because he's going to come in and he's going to change the economy. He'll get us back to normal and he will. He will rather quickly because companies know what to expect from him. The reason it took about a year last time is because they didn't know exactly what he was going to do. He wasn't predictable. Now he is. We know exactly what his policies are. But do you think... The intelligence agencies are going to allow President Trump to be president. You saw that they didn't allow President Kennedy to continue to be president. 
Now we know. We know the CIA was involved in the assassination of President Kennedy. I don't know what that means, if it means three guys at the top or two guys in the middle or, or 15 guys or one department. I, nobody knows. You know, I think somebody does today, but it's all still classified. Right? I think RFK, same thing. Robert F. Kennedy, I think we knew. People know the same thing was involved, right? He was the attorney general running for president, killed at the Ambassador Hotel, I believe, here in Los Angeles in 1960, I want to say 68 or 69. Just a few years after his brother was killed. Right, I had somebody the other day say, Arif, it's absolutely cannot happen. It's not true that the world has this many trees. I, I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, the, six, the, the shocking statistics that you said didn't seem to make sense. So last week I covered the amount of trees in the United States today versus 100 years ago. I want to give you those exact numbers. Okay, about 100 years ago, we had 70, 70 million trees in the United States, 70. There was an exponential growth in the timber industry where they understood the reforestation. So they started planting one and two and three trees for every one that they would pull out. Huh, that's fascinating. When you take a look at the United States having somewhere in the neighborhood of about 10% of the global forests, it's powerful, isn't it? So how many trees do you think the United States has today? We talked about this last week. Some of you didn't believe me. Some of you aren't sure. Right now, the United States has 818, almost 819 million acres of forest. 819 million acres. Okay, that's pretty powerful. Well, why would you say there are a lot of trees? Because that's another fear thing that they're trying to do to scare you, to shift money from the left pocket to the right, which is theirs and their friends. Take a piece off the top. So the amount of oh, air, uh, CO2 in the air. Do you understand trees need CO2 or they would die? So when you have a lot of trees, you have to be able to feed them. CO2 feeds the trees. It feeds the green in the United States. So what do we have today? How many trees in the United States today? Approximately 228 billion trees. The U.S. is number four globally. Russia's number one. China's number two. Brazil and the Democratic Republic of Congo. That's one of the top five. So with approximately 228 billion trees. Huh. Website is, just so you know, 8, the number 8, billiontrees.com. 8, the number 8, billiontrees.com. So it's to put to rest a little bit of what you guys were saying last week and, and some of the feedback I was getting is, Eric, are you sure? Can it be? We've been told deforestation, scaring they have a helicopter going and it's just showing the strip mining on this mountainside. Why don't you come back four years later and see the two and four and six foot trees 
Why don't you come back and see 10 years later that the density of forests across the places in which they once strip mined that you might call? You see, part of what I, uh, who do I trust more? An environmentalist today, really, regarding our, our forest management or a timber industry with a long history of being in business because you realize they don't want to be out of business. So that is why they can plant trees for the next generation so that their company never goes out of business. You see, an environmentalist, that's not their job. Their job is to say no to everything. That's why you have forest fires that burn forever. That's why you have forest fires that surround the San Fernando Valley. Remember that a few years back, decade back? Remember the, San, the, 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 the uh, fire that swept around Santa Clarita and just kind of circled everything in Santa Clarita? Or along Pasadena, La Cunada? Right. It used to be that those things were managed differently, that, that people knew how to manage it. When the environmentalists come in and everything they said was no, 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 no. And one of the most damaging organizations called SCOPE, S-C-O-P-E, starts to put its nose into things in which it's not an expert in. Surprise, you have the Paradise Fire. Instead of clearing and cleaning up and, and selectively clearing trees, no. So these are very important concerns because when the government is not going to manage money properly, we already know that. We already know California, in my opinion, has to file bankruptcy. There is no question. There's no, there's no conversation that leads anywhere else. It's just, it's, it's not even a debate. Now, you can put air quotes around the word bankruptcy because the next thing out of my liberal friend's mouth, a state cannot file bankruptcy. Right. They go into this default. It's an economic default. It's called something different. But you're not going to know that. You understand bankruptcy. What's the difference? Uh, nothing. Zero. As far as the impact in you, when Orange County filed bankruptcy, Stockton, California, Mammoth Lakes, California, the state of Rhode Island, the city of Detroit, and on and on. When these states, cities, counties had to file bankruptcy or its equivalent, then people lost jobs. Taxes had to increase. People lost benefits. City members, community members, people that live there didn't get the services that they've been paying for for decades. That's why it matters. Because now you're going to be forced to move because they're not going to do what they said they were going to do. Or they're going to have to sell off their land. Right? I think the federal government is going to have to sell off its land in order to pay this $30 trillion in debt because they're just behind California as far as the default goes. So you have to be careful. Watch yourself and plan. When we come back after the break, I have your emails. I'm Eric Hallaby. Your emails to the Total Financial Hour. When we come back, 888 retire 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. Stay with me on AM870, The Answer. We'll be right back. Thanks to Arab Hallaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour.
Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arab has a plan for me. Hi, welcome back to the show. Say Arab Halabi. Second hour of the Total Financial Hour. Total Financial Show. I don't know. Maybe I should have a test and you guys, uh, or, or a quiz maybe, something where you can go out and kind of give me some pointers. What should we call it? What should we call the second hour? This is your place for news, talk, and information. I love it because it is your show. And you guys decide. You tell me the topics. You think the things that are concerning to you. I look for trends. I look for concerns. Uh, but I do want to push one idea that I've talked about for quite a long time, and that is the purpose that you need to have, not just in your life while you're working, but in retirement. You see, think of it like a marathon. You've run a race, you finish, you cross the finish line, it's over, but you've been preparing for years, maybe even decades to get to the Olympics or to get to this big finish line, and you do, and it's over. You've saved up enough, your money is now able to replace your income. So in other words, your money makes money for you and you don't have to go to work every day. And now your money makes money for you. So now you are somebody who has the privilege of time. But with that privilege of time comes a curse. It's called time. So if you don't have a purpose, if you don't have something to do. So here's what I'm seeing. When you see these uh, uh, lottos, these mega millions, right? It just passed a billion dollars. Uh, coming up on this next drawing. Well, okay, listen, what is the purpose of that drawing? And who participates? Do wealthy or upper middle class Americans participate in the, the lotto? Mostly no, just so you know. It's usually poor people, which means when they put five or just give me $20, Joe, put it on. Here's my numbers, my special numbers. That $20 is a very high percentage of their income. If they had the ability or the understanding of how money works, if they have the ability or the understanding how to be productive in life and work, if their value came from a lot more than just the hope of a lotto, then don't you think that needs to be explored? Maybe your purpose in life with the skills you've achieved is to teach others so that they don't rely on these crazy mega million Lotto, right? Uh, look, I, I look across and I see the the tech schools and the trade schools. The reason it matters to me is because they're people that actually have gone to them, uh, the, the career, worked in the career. When one of my sons was taking a class uh, and it was taught by a poli-sci professor that was 26 years old, didn't know anything about life. And all he was doing was pushing a social agenda. So my son would tell me and I'm saying, well, here are the arguments against that. That's easy. And so when he would go back and he would question this professor, we can't come to find out this, this man being 26 years old, he had zero life experience. He's never had a real job. He didn't understand what it's like to pay taxes on money that you worked for, right? Because everything he did was from the taxpayers, his life, his insurance, his retirement, his income, his car, his house, everything was taxpayer funded. And, and when you're entitled like that, when you think that you deserve a piece of that, and then you put down, which is what he did, put down the men and women that worked to provide that, that lifestyle for him, you see, that's who you create is a bunch of entitled people. If you, in turn, 
can create people that are self-starters that understand air conditioning repair, car repair. I mean, we can go on and on. Things, I, I can't send my car for an oil change to China. You understand that? When my house needs an air conditioning, uh, air conditioner to fix, or my roof has a leak, it's not anything I can send overseas. AI is not going to come out and fix my air conditioning. So these are types of careers that can never go away, but they're also the types of careers in which you can't really pull the wool over these guys' eyes. You see the working class America, the dirty jobs, men and women of America, they're kind of common sense people. And they say, wait, 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 wait. You're going to tax me to pay this guy who's going to tell everybody that I'm bad. And then you're going to take my money to tell everybody that I'm bad and you keep taking my money. You see, if somebody has hope and a path and, and, and a list of things to do, I think that purpose is something that you can do during retirement. I think it's a place. It's a place to start, right? You're good at something. Why not be good at something that can make a difference in somebody's life, right? So, so that's really my point. I think you have to have that purpose in your life. Okay. I want to get to one of our emails. This is your email. Dear Arif, my wife and I are in our early 50s and are unsure if we should keep our life insurance plans. We both have a term insurance plan and keep hearing about the, quote, tax-free options that are coming up. They keep coming up on my social media feeds. I know the initial reasons that we bought this years ago, they now have changed. They were for our young children to pay for their education and in case I passed away before we saved enough money for retirement. Well, today, is there a purpose to still have it? Should we buy the tax-free type? Is there another purpose for the life insurance I see advertised everywhere? These are a bunch of questions, guys. I'm going to get to them here. We also have traditional IRAs that total about $500,000. But they should be right around a million by the time we retire in 15 years. I also expect to be debt-free from everything, maybe not my house, but just about everything else. If I can ask another question, here it is. And because I'm reading it to you, the answer is yes, you can. Ask another question as I pare down the emails for time's sake. Here's the other question. Is there a way to take this $500,000 that I have from my old 401k, and now it's a traditional IRA, and have it supplement my social security income later? My wife and I are both going to have social security, but we couldn't live on that alone. I would like it to be there for my wife in case I pass first. We want to live on as much money as possible each month and maybe even retire a bit earlier than 15 years. Can you help? All right, folks. So this is Dan and Amanda. Between the two of them, they are going to have social security in the future. So that's nice. But they have a couple of things. One is they need to understand that life insurance can have many different roles to play. Okay. Term insurance, for those, let's get a bit educated, has a job and a very important job. It's to buy as much insurance as possible for as long as possible or at least as long as you need it because it costs as little as possible when it comes to life insurance. But think of it this way. Term insurance and car insurance, the same thing. 
if you don't crash your car, if you didn't crash your car last year, are they going to send you a check? No. You pay your insurance just in case. Same thing with term life insurance. You pay for it. If you didn't die, they don't pay. If you die, they pay. The accidental death part of life insurance, like you see JCPenney's at one point, and I think Sears, but I know JCPenney's at one point, sold was the number one seller of accidental death life insurance. And they nearly never had to pay out. I think it was less than 2%. Okay, what does that mean to you? It means that the dollars that are collected on an accidental death policy means you have to die the restrictions. We used to make fun of it, but I would say, you know, die, you have to get hit by a blue truck on a Tuesday after a full moon. And then the accidental death will pay. That's why it's so cheap. It's very inexpensive because nobody ever has to claim on it. Now, term insurance is if you die anyway, we pay. All right, so Dan and Amanda, here's the deal. If you die anyway, we pay, but I think you need to have a couple of things when it comes to what your objective is. And number one, your objective needs to be to make sure that your home is paid for and the kids' college. Well, now that it's just you two, the kids' college, that's done. They're out of the house. You have a half a million dollars saved. Chances are pretty good that would at least cover the house mortgage. So you are almost self-insured from the emergency and the, and the uh, critical part of things. But what about planning, from a life insurance standpoint, for money in the future? So here's what I mean. If your goal is to pass money on to the children, the next generation, most people, uh, that's their plan, and they have three kids. So with their three children, how do they want to pass money on? I want you to give them real estate. I want them uh, to receive life insurance, Roth IRAs. Those are tax-free things. Uh, investment accounts, stock, bond, mutual funds, but are not associated with your retirement accounts, meaning you don't want your retirement accounts in the stock, bond, mutual fund world because your kids don't receive any benefit. You don't receive any benefit from it except fees and taxes. So, so why would you do that? So I want stock bond mutual fund accounts outside of retirement, Roth IRAs, and real estate and life insurance. Those are all tax-free to the next generation. If you set that up, then and you can lock it down and say, I'm good for the rest of my life. Now the plan is for us to, to save and build our own financial future. Then I would use the tax-free, uh, it's called the indexed universal life. Right? So here's how it works. The Index Universal Life has a plan that says we'll put, we take your money, the first three, four, eh, five or six years, let's say, the fees are going to be pretty high because there's a cost associated to buying the life insurance. Because you're going to put in, let's say, $100,000 and you're buying 500000 in life insurance. So the first few years, you have to buy the difference, 400000 because your money makes up 100 and the insurance cost is 500 So the difference between the two has to be made up and you're paying for it. But as the underlying uh, savings portion, the cash value, as that starts to grow and grow and grow and fill the gap, then the cost of insurance decreases because the insurance company is on the hook for less and less money. Now, if at any time you pass away, your family receives the higher of the two. If at any time you need it for long-term care, the right plans, there's some that are yucky out there, but I want the right 
indexed universal life plans. If some, if there's a day that you need it for medical assisted living, I don't mean a trip to urgent care, broken hand. I don't mean that stuff, but serious long-term care type expenses, then you're allowed to access the 500,000. It doesn't matter how much you have in your savings. You are allowed to access the larger of the two numbers for your care. Now, what have we done? Meanwhile, you have your retirement account for the surviving spouse. You have your retirement account for you too. If nothing happens and you guys live a long life, I want that to be at a million dollars. I did some numbers for you between your two social security checks. You're going to receive right in the neighborhood of about $7,500 by the time you guys are, are 70 years old. I, I did 15 years from now. All right, $7,500 is a good chunk of money. You said you needed more to live on. Here's what I would comfortably say that you can count on between your 500,000 401k, what you're adding, kind of growing. I think you're going to have more than a million dollars and that should be an additional $4,000 a month. So do you realize we can expect something like $11,500 a month by the time you're in your late late 60s, early 70s. Now, meanwhile, what we've done is we have funded that indexed universal life. So if you pass away, the kids receive it. They get the house. Tax-free, tax-free. But ready for this? This will give both of you, and usually it's the ladies, just my experience, who want to leave something for the kids. I just want to leave something for the kids. They're successful. They're fine. But all three kids, you know, they're. I just want to make sure they're going to be okay. Right? It's just usually the way it is. Well, now you have confidence that kids are going to receive the house. They're going to receive the Roth IRAs if you have any. They're going to receive the life insurance tax-free. Now you have the confidence to spend your money and live the way you want to live, knowing no matter what happens, you will still have money for the children. And what we do is we take money from that indexed universal life whenever you are close to the next tax bracket. So we work with your CPAs. We say, hey, How much can they take out of their IRAs this year? And he says, oh, you can take $50,000. If they take out any more, it starts to get into the next tax bracket. Great. And you guys say, but Arif, we don't need 50,000. We need 70 to live. I say, great. I'm going to go to this index universal life. I'm going to pull the difference. That $20,000, because when you pull it out of your index universal life, tax free. Into your pocket. So now you live as if you're making an extra 50,000 a year. I'm sorry, 70,000 a year, that's how you live, but you pay taxes as if you're making 50,000 a year. See the difference? 70,000 lifestyle, $50,000 tax bracket. Makes the difference. The peace of mind that you can receive by knowing that you can pass this on to the next generation allows you to spend your money guilt-free. Even though you don't you didn't do anything wrong, you shouldn't have guilt, but people do. So I want you to be able to live and enjoy that next part of your life. I don't want you to be somebody who gets to the position that says, well, I would love to take a trip, but I don't want to spend too much money just in case. Well, now you can, right? It's a powerful deal. Here's the part of it. Then what I would do with the, with the uh, 401k plan, and you guys indicated you had enough for emergencies. That's important. Savings and checking, six figures. I like it. You also indicated that at least one of you is going to have a pension. That's nice. It's a nice little comfort. 
So what would I do? I would take the half a million and probably put most of it into an account that would receive a bonus. I don't know, maybe somewhere between a hundred thousand and a hundred and fifty thousand dollar bonus, something like that. That means you put money in the company says, Oh, if you give us the money and you take it out in the form of income, we will add a huge number, a hundred thousand dollars plus to your account. And when we do that, as long as you take it out in the form of income, or if you pass away, if your family gets it or your spouse, as long as you take it out, if you need it for long-term care, no problem. Then we'll give you all this extra money, these goodies. Then I'm very comfortable I can create an indexed annuity for the safety and protection of what you want away from the market risk. I want you to continue to add to your current 401k at work because as you're adding your dollar cost averaging, meaning every two weeks when they pull from your paycheck, you're buying more shares, less shares, more shares, less shares. Your job when you're working is to accumulate shares. When you're in your 40s and 50s, it's to accumulate pieces. The only way you can accumulate, well, not the only way, the main way that you accumulate is by purchasing, buying, 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 buying. And if you get a match from your employer, and every time, every two weeks you're buying without, quote, trying to time the market, because nobody can time the market, that's already done, we already know that. But what people don't understand is that consistency in saving and investing through your retirement accounts at work can supplement Social Security. It can supplement the safety side of things, which is what I would do. That's the area we're an expert in. And then what it can do is also create peace of mind. So by buying the right indexed universal life insurance, by, by funding it properly, now we've taken care of all of those other areas. Look, a lot of people in their 50s, by the time you reach your 50s, you've either saved some or, or most or all of what it costs for your children to go to college and university or whatever their, their costs are. Maybe you helped them right, buy a house. Maybe you helped them because uh, somebody got laid off or they changed jobs or something. So every time you do that, you're kind of stealing from the future. You made retiring at age 65, now 66, 66, now 67. So how we can supplement that is by getting extra bonuses and, and getting an extra benefit so that we honor the things that you've done at the beginning, which, which is to help your family, kids. I love it. It's, it's a good honor thing. It's a good thing to honor, right? But then on the other side, I want to honor the hard work you've done. And I spoke about purpose, which is very important because you have to have more purpose the more active and intellectually uh, stimulating you, you are and need to be, right? You, you need to be somebody who's got, got something going on. But if you don't have a purpose with your life, because I can handle the financial side. My experience, guys, has been this. In the thousands of people that I've met with over the years, and any good financial professional, there's a lot of good ones on the station and, and other stations, who've met with thousands of people. They're good people. They understand one thing. Now, whether or not they'll tell you about it, everybody's different. Here's the thing that I understand more than any, and it's this. If you don't have a purpose in retirement, nothing good happens, right? The reason that 65-year-olds cheat or leave 
their spouse of 30 or 40 or 50 years is simple. It's because there is nothing stimulating about the relationship anymore. There's nothing stimulating about their life anymore. And they get bored. I'm not saying it's the right thing, or but it's common. There's a reason why there's books out called The Graying of Divorce and various other titles. Meaning once the kids are out of the house and everybody's fine and someone's in their 50s and 60s and they divorce. You're like, wait a second, you've been married 30 years. All, isn't the hard stuff over by now? No, I want to I wanna do something else. You go, whoa, 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 back up. Are you, are you that bored? So my point is, I need there to be stimulation and focus in a part of your life where you're giving back and making a difference and people are checking their watch. Hey, is Dan here yet? We need you, Dan. Oh, you're here. The same thing that happens at your guys' job now, right? Or when your kids were little. Right. Wait until you have teenagers if, if you don't have them yet or if you right. And they're 16, 17, 18 and they don't need you anymore. And months and months go by. And then finally they need you for something and you and you jump on it. You're so happy. You're excited. You. Yeah. Yeah. What do you need? I'll, I'll do anything. Mom, can you pick me up and take me? Yep. You got it. Mom, I didn't even finish. Doesn't matter. I'm going to do it. Right. Can you come over and help my dorm? Help me. Help me design my dorm. Help me decorate. Yep. You got it. Dad, I need some help. Can you help me fix the back door? Yep, coming right over. You see, when you were working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, that kind of filled the gap of your purpose so that the needs of your family were kind of on autopilot. The needs of the community, autopilot. The needs of society, again, autopilot. But as you transition away from that, Find a place where your skills and your talents can reward somebody greater than this silly lotto that is taxing the daylights out of lower income and middle income people. Right? The moment that the federal government allowed you to take the welfare uh, food stamps, right? They keep changing the name as if it's going to make a difference and people aren't going to recognize that it's welfare, but it is. You can call it anything you want, but it's welfare. Well, the moment that they changed it into this whole skiff, sniff, snap, whatever they're calling it these days, and they said you can now buy alcohol, tobacco, you could buy junk food. Whoa, 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 wait a second. What do you mean? Why don't you just say, here are the items that you can buy? There are always going to be people that will scam and, and cheat and steal, of course. But you should say, here are the items that you can buy. But instead, what do they do? They go buy alcohol and they turn around and sell it. They take that money, buy lotto tickets. Oh, Eric, you're so judgmental. I judge your actions. You have to judge actions. There is no way around it. Every day you judge actions, right? Appearances, you have to, right? If you missed the top of the last hour, I was pretty clear on this, but let me use another example. Right? Uh, look, remember, this is the key. When they call you names on the other side, right? Remember, it was for a long time racist. That was the thing for a while. Now it's white supremacy. Listen how the left wing changes. And once one of them parrots it off, it runs through the Senate, it runs through MSNBC and CNN, it runs through all of their organizations. Now it's white supremacy, white supremacy. Right? Uh, forget the fact that the Proud Boys. Right? Their leadership, 
had male Hispanics and male blacks. Oh, the Proud Boys, white supremacy. Uh, Sorry, I know it's inconvenient, but they had minorities in the leadership of the Proud Boys. I'm not saying what they did was right or wrong. My point is, be educated. Stop running from fear to fear to fear. Let's be scared. Let's be scared about this. Because if you kind of build your financial life around fear, you're always running, running, running from something, and you're not running to something, then that will carry itself over to the rest of your life. Except now there's nothing to run to because financially it's over. You don't have to work for money anymore. Great job. You did it. So now where do you run? That's where infidelity hits in. That's where men and women separate because uh, he's on the computer all day long or in the garage all day long. That's where women uh, decide to just be with their friends and they connect with their old high school flame who he's now divorced and they catch each other on Facebook and now they, they meet each other and, and all of a sudden there's an affair or, or a heart, what do women call it, emotional affairs or heart affairs, whatever it's called these days. And they pull away. So my point is, you got to catch that. It's not too late. Create purpose, activities, something together. That's why I'm excited about this pickleball generation and this craziness that's happening. Because it isn't just a replacement for those that play tennis or racquetball. It's an addition to those that were bored or sat at home or thought they were retired and lived on their phone. It, 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 it's not. Listen, if you don't have a purpose, then your self-worth, way more important than your self-esteem, by the way. Your self-worth as a provider, as a caregiver, as a, as a human being diminishes. So you need to have a purpose in life. You're only given a few more minutes, years. How many more Christmases? One or two? You guys know my dad passed about two months ago. When he passed about eight weeks ago, we thought we were going to have a Christmas. We were making plans for, for Thanksgiving this year. You understand that? Everybody who dies has a calendar full of things to do. You're not going to have forever. Stay with me after the break. And grab your pen, paper, and a calculator. Because this email has a lot of numbers in it. It's going to mix it up. I'm going to try to keep it simple. But they have a lot of questions based on numbers, income. I want to give that to you. All right? I'm going to do my best to clarify it. Grab your pen and paper and we'll try to work together. Be right back after the break. Air of Hallaby, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. We'll be right back on AM870, The Answer. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power, the total. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. This is our second hour of the Total Financial Hour. Listen, we're talking about your family's finances. This is our email. So you, if you have an email question, you want to send it to me. It's Arif, A-R-I-F, at T as in Tom, F as in Frank, S as in Sam. So Arif at T-F-S, wealth, 
as in a lot of money, W-E-A-L-T-H, wealth.com. Arif at TFSWealth.com. Okay, that's your place to send your question. Let me give you some idea of uh, what these folks are asking. I'm going to kind of preface it so that you have an idea of why the conversation is going to go where it's going to go. When you have a pension, and, and fewer and fewer Americans are going to receive pensions. It's just the way it is. Uh, for lots of reasons. But if you have a private pension, mostly it's private pensions that I've encountered that have this option where you, as the person who worked, can choose one of two ways to go. You can choose to either uh, give me more money now, and then if I die, my wife gets the same amount, or give me a greater amount of money now, but if I die, my wife gets half or 75%, right? Right? So give me more money now, a lot more money, but if I die, my husband or my wife, the other person, receives a smaller number. If you want a little bit less money so that both of you could receive that same amount and it never ends, well, they're going to pay you less money because the chance of both of you passing at the same time is not going to happen. I mean, it's just it's not, not very likely. So they know they're going to have to pay this over two basic life expectancies. And the formula usually goes, if both of you are alive, till age 65, something like that, then there's a very good chance that one of you is going to make it to 90 or 95. So, so the chance of these numbers, them paying out for many, many years, decades, in fact, is pretty high. So companies will give you an option. Higher now, less for my wife. Lower now, the same for my wife or husband, right? So that's kind of the premise. Hey, Arif, here are my numbers. What do you think is the better way to take? Uh, What option? What plan? All right, so I'm going to try to give you pros and cons. Of course, in their particular case, I would have to speak with them and meet with you, kind of go over the math, ask a few more questions that I can't really get in a one-dimensional email. But I want to give this to you because I'm seeing more of this as people are retiring, right? A lot of companies are either moving or they're kind of forcing you to retire so they can hire a younger person for less money, right? They can hire one and a half or two people for the same price they're paying you. So it's often the consequence of a union. The union often requires certain wages, especially to move up a ladder or a tier. So if you do, well, then sooner or later, you're the one that's going to have your head on the chopping block, right? Oh, the pig asks for more food, more food, more food. Guess who gets slaughtered for Christmas? The, the skinny, irregular pig? No, The healthy, big one. Give me more, says the hog. Okay. And then the layoffs come and you go, I'm shocked. No, you were making way more money than you probably should. I don't mean you're a bad person. I just mean other people will do the job for less money. So, of course, mathematically, you're the one to let go. That's the mind of the, the companies. Maybe not mine, but that's the mind of the companies. That's the way it works. All right. So here's the email. Dear Arif, we have planned for retirement nearly our entire married life. We have now come to the time when we have to make a decision on what option to choose for my pension payout. One of the options allows for me to have a much higher monthly check and a lower one, a lower payout if I pass away first. It also has a step up provision. All right, let me explain to you what that is. If uh, the spouse passes away first, many of these uh, plans allow you guys to step up to the to the higher payout. So in other words, 
if the spouse dies first, then you don't you go from the lower payout option to the higher. So sometimes it's a better way to go because we just don't know who's going to pass first. All right. Here are the options, Arif. Remember, guys, I told you, grab your pen and paper and your calculator. Okay, dear Arif, here we continue. Here are the options. $3,200 a month for me, and then she would receive $1,200 a month if I pass away first. The other option is for me to receive $2,900 a month, and then if I pass away, she receives $1,800 a month. I'm not sure which option to choose. Can, can you help? All right, I'm going to break the email into two sections, so let's deal with one problem at a time. This first problem is, which one is the better way to go? So my questions to you guys would be this. If we're going to choose the higher pension, does the spouse have her own pension? Sometimes she does. I'm going to use the, the male as if it's uh, the, 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 the breadwinner here, the main pension earner. So if she has her own pension, then she should do the same thing as you, which means take the higher payout and then the lower one for the spouse. So each of you have the highest amount today, but when one of you passes away, you receive the lower amount. I like that. Okay, that's important. But what if she doesn't have her pension? Well, then my next question is, does she have a high social security check? Maybe higher than you. If she does, then I like that as an option. Social security and pensions are, are kind of considered the same bucket of money, meaning that they have some risks, but they also have some flexibility. They have some payouts. It's not bad. Not, not something to worry about. All right. This is important. Where, which one would I go to? It's sometimes this yucky question. And it's this. I would probably take out take the $2,900 a month where she receives $1,800. But you have to tell me this. Who is the healthier of you two? Who's had the most amount of health uh, concerns, cancer, heart, lung, right? Those kinds of issues. If one of you are more likely to pass, maybe you're much older, then I would have you remember to take care of that younger person at a much better rate. All right. Sometimes they're not going to give you these numbers until they find out the age of your beneficiary. Because many, many people, I don't know what it is, but a lot of guys, sometimes on their second marriages, sometimes their first or third, but often on their second marriage, they marry women that are foreign. Chinese or Filipino or Russian or, or Hispanic. They, they just married women that are foreign who are often younger. So this weird phenomenon that we see, right? Not a judgment on right or wrong. I'm just telling you this is what's happening. And so she is 15, 18, 20 years younger. So the chance of her collecting this pension for the rest of her life, which is probably 40 years life expectancy, something like that. The companies are going to adjust these payouts when they get the paperwork from you that says, hey, I, I'm planning on retiring. Here's who I am. Here's my beneficiary. They say, here's our calculation. She's going to receive this if you pass first. So if that's the case, that one of you is much, much older than the other, in other words, eight, nine, 10 years or more, then I might say, 
to take the 2,900 where she receives 18. Give her as much as possible because statistically speaking, she's going to collect for decades. Okay, that's my option, my, my observations with that. Next part of the email. We have saved about $790,000 in our IRAs and we have two small rental properties. The rental income net is about $3,000 a month. We will sell their, our current home that we live in and move to a, a residence in Florida. Since both of us are now 63, we want to start our social security. His will be 25, uh, sorry, 2400 a month and mine will be $1,700 a month. We don't think we need to start. Uh, we don't think we need to start both of them now, but we are worried about Social Security being around in the future. Our bills at our new house, when we're done moving, and everything is said and done, we would need around sixty-five hundred dollars a month to live comfortably. Can you help? Okay. So I told you what I would do on the pension. Now we know they're both sixty-three, so about the same age. Statistically, men and women, women live a little bit longer than men, but not much these days. A lot of it, women are dying, uh, you know, sooner, at least statistically. We're seeing not quite 50-50 anymore. We used to see, what, 90-10, right? 90% of the time in a marriage, a man passes first, 10% a woman. Nowadays, we're seeing in my practice and in general in the industry, I'm probably seeing maybe 70-30, something like that. 70% of the time, the men still pass. 30% the women do. As women are living longer, the likelihood of them getting breast cancer is high. As the men are living longer, the likelihood of them having prostate cancer is high. So weird uh, diseases that we kind of planned for that weren't really fatal, that didn't really happen until, you know, rare, one in a million. Not anymore. This last 20 or 30 years, chronic illness, people living into their 70s and 80s comfortably new diseases, new concerns are starting to form. So we're, the, the jury's still out. We're not sure what, what's going to happen. Is it going to be 50-50 now that women are in the, mar- in, in the uh, workplace as, as much as men are in many cases? The stress on our bodies, right? Women have stress when they were homemakers for, for 15, 18, 20 years. So their bodies, when they're young, can handle that kind of stress and the management and the household. My gosh, it's crazy. It's a business. A man will have that same kind of stress, but in his 40s and 50s and then 60s. And so the impact is not one year of stress for one year of his life. It's, after, it's actually one year of stress equals two or three years. So, there's, so as women are now feeling this stress on their bodies because they're in the workplace feeling it in their 50s and 60s, the bodies are less likely to recover. That's why eating healthy, that's why yoga, that's why exercise, all of those kinds of things are becoming popular for everybody in their 50s and 60s. It's kind of this resurgence. So I say that because if both of you are healthy, then I want you to have one of you start the social security, the younger of the two, uh, sorry, the lower of the two, the lower of the two social security. I want that to start now. Delay the higher of the two social security for as long as possible. Now, when you do that, you can also take out the higher of the two options, meaning 3,200 a month and 1,700 a month is her social security. What are we delaying? We're delaying his 2,400 a month. 
Because you see, in the future, I can probably get that up. Eh, maybe three thousand. Well, well, oh, back up. Remember, they have that three thousand dollars a month coming in. I told you this was going to get a little technical, so forgive me. But we have a pension. I want you to start the lower of the two Social Security checks now and wait seven years, if you can, for his Social Security check to be much higher. You're probably looking at, oh, I don't know, nearly $4,000 a month. $3,800, $4,000 a month. That's huge, right? Because his Social Security will be higher than hers. So when one of you passes away, you're always going to lose the lower of the two social security checks. So my encouragement to you is if you have one of these kinds of pensions, you want some adjustments, come into my office. We'll do the math. We'll break it out. I'll show you option A, B, C. You get to select what works better for you. You get to select what matters and what makes a difference. More money now, more money later. So, In conclusion, with this particular plan, I would say this. Remember that that 401k or IRA money, it's about $790,000. I would probably take $500 and dedicate it towards secondary income, long-term care, problems that you might have later on down the road, three, four, five years. And then I would use the other $290 as just kind of a cushion and a way to live comfortably and to pay your bills between now and the beginning of the third, uh, uh, of the, the younger, uh, the, the, the older person's social security, right? The, the higher social security check, we're going to use half a million to live on, but not going to begin it for two, three, four, five years. We're going to use the 290,000 to fill the income gap until we start his social security check at age 70. All right. Here's why it matters. Because there's lots of money on the table and the companies know this. So they make it very complicated. It used to be there was only one choice. But what if the, what if the person's wife, what if he wasn't married? Or, or what if she already passed away? He's like, oh, well, I don't want to start this kind of a, an option. I want this option. I want more money for me. Or what if she has her own pension? What if she has her own money? What if they're already wealthy? Right? That changes the, the equation. What if one of them is much, much younger? So this one-size-fits-all pension that used to be the case is not the case anymore. For whatever reason, whether it was market forces, the government, lawsuits, I don't know. Things started changing, and now these pensions are a lot more complicated, buried with these numbers. Which option should I take? And it's confusing, and it's scary. Come to our office. I can help you. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. We don't charge. There's no fee for me to to help you or to to make a difference. We don't do that. If I can help you, if you become a client, I'll get paid. Fine. If not, that's okay too. Maybe it's a Zoom meeting. Maybe it's a conversation over a phone. If it's something this complicated, I'm going to certainly need some paperwork from you. Maybe a Zoom meeting where I can write on my whiteboard and we can visually see it because I'm a visual person. I like to break it down. Here's where it really starts to impact you guys and your financial life because a lot of us don't realize that a lot of the political decisions, and I hear this from you guys, from people over and over and over again, Arif, I'm just not a political person. 
it doesn't matter. You are. You have to be. I'm sorry. I wish it wasn't. I wish it was those people and these people. But it affects your the interest rates on your home. It affects whether or not you can vacation over here or vacation over there because the U.S. is, is involved in the Ukrainian war and, and it's pushing. Sorry, you can't go to that place. You can't go to this part of the world. What do you mean? It's just a vacation. My family's from there. I always wanted to see my dad's hometown. Sorry. Politics. So it really isn't a chance for you to pick, uh, put your head in the stand, uh, sand. It just isn't. Right? You have to follow what's happening real time. And many of you thought that investing and saving would be the same thing. I am going to be informed. Well, how many of us I grew up on Mutual Fund Magazine and, and uh, you know, Money Magazine and Forbes and, and all of those wonderful magazines. Loved them, read them as much as I could. Try to understand things. And then one day somebody came to me and said, do you realize that the investments, the mutual funds, whatever it is on the, on the cover of those magazines, by the time they are on the magazine cover in the newsstand, sitting in the, in the, in the, the bin, if you will, of your doctor's office, Weeks and weeks and weeks have gone through, gone by. Months sometimes. And by the time you see it and it says the top 10 things to buy, this it's over. Those were the top 10 things three months ago when the man was doing research, when the lady was doing her research, when she went through all the investments and the formulas and the, the And she wrote an amazing article. On that day, it was already old. So please, you have to do the same thing with politics. You and I know, most of us, that Hunter Biden was the front man, the bag man, the pansy, the pot, right? The guy in the front for Joe and Jill Biden. He was running companies, not really, but for the benefit of Joe Biden. You know that. We know that Joe Biden took money and the FBI is trying to cover up for him. The Department of Justice is trying to cover up for him. Do you really think that anybody in the Department of Justice would have covered up for, for President Trump or, or even President Obama? Well, maybe. Fast and Furious, right? I, I don't know why he's still even teaching. He's supposed to be teaching law. He's going to teach you how to disobey and dis be dishonest, but whatever. D do you think anybody would have done that in the Bush administration and gotten away with it? No. Clinton, probably. So there needs to be this removal of layers of people in the Justice Department. The Obamas were, were brilliant about a lot of things. One of those was to place people four, five, six, seven layers deep in these agencies. Directors, assistant directors, operations supervisors, title, title, title. And build these layers of people so when the next administration comes, it's just checking your watch. They'll be gone in no time. What time is it? Yeah, they're still here. Oh, I have a 32-year career and I'm 10 years into it. I'm not going anywhere. I'll have four more presidents before I'm done. And I don't really even have a concern as to what political party says the government worker because they're going to be there forever. They're not going anywhere. So... I don't know if very many presidents, maybe Vivek, the problem Vivek Raswami, and I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but that's the problem he has, is it's not a common name and it's not even something 
most intelligent people who are familiar with ethnic names can pronounce them the first time. So that that's an issue, right? Joe is not Joe, it's Joseph. Donald Trump is still Donald Trump. But Bill Clinton is William Jefferson Clinton. There was a reason that people shortened their name. I wish Vivek would have figured that out a long time ago, just because it's easier to say whatever it is. And, and I think he has an amazing message. And I think just like, listen, it's a guy named Arif telling you this story about names, right? I never changed my name. Yes, it's been difficult. Yes, it's difficult to order a hamburger and just have the person give me my hamburger without having a conversation about where my name is from, etc. What does it mean? Is it wow? Is it cool? I, just I'm just here for a hamburger, man. So, but I think Vivek has a great story. I think he has somebody uh, a story to tell and an amazing background. Do I think it's? Do I think he needs some some governmental experience? Yes, I do. I don't think he would get in there and clean house the way a Donald Trump would. I just don't think so. Probably Iran DeSantis will because he understands it, but I need to see some f- fire in him, and, and I don't see that. The fire that he had as a Florida governor, his folks chose to put him kind of in a cocoon and away from adversarial media. Donald Trump has no problem with that. Uh, listen, I, I don't know. You don't have to like Donald Trump, but I can tell you that I've never seen anybody gone after as much as him. Every time something in the media comes out about Hunter Biden or Joe Biden and the crime family that they've created, it's like another allegation against Donald Trump. Remember, you can indict, a grand jury can indict a ham sandwich, right? What does that mean? It means there's, it's the way a grand jury works, just so you know, the indictment, it's one-sided. You are not allowed to put on a defense and say, yeah, yeah, but that's not what happened. They are even allowed to put on evidence that is kind of sort of not really evidence. The same kind of thing the left wing did with the FISA court, right? They kind of really sort of didn't tell the whole truth. Well, that's the same thing that can happen in a grand jury setting. The prosecutor has all the power. Well, you have to get involved. Whether that means ballot harvesting, whether that means you going and standing on street corners with signs, I don't know your skill. I don't know your talent. And it's amazing to me because every time, every year, this is the most consequential uh, election we've ever had. And uh, I, I hear it all the time. Every year, it's just a boy's crying wolf. But I think this is probably as close to one of those, quote, consequential elections as we've ever had. I think this is probably the time when you will either say you sat on the sidelines or you got involved. I don't know where the players are going to shift. I don't know if there's going to be some other way to push Donald Trump out. I think they're going to try to say, we'll make all this go away and Biden will uh, pardon you if you drop out of the race. I don't know. But I still stand by Biden will not be president by the end of the year. I just don't think he will. I think you'll have to step down. I think he'll be impeached. I think it will be, quote, for the benefit of my family. My son has been just traumatized. I need everybody to just stop. And the best way for you guys to leave him alone is if I step down as president. So I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for him. It's about him. 
You can expect it to be something like that. And the truth is, Jill is more guilty than he is. I think that's the dirty secret in the story. Hey, thanks for listening, guys. The Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Hallaby. 888-99-RETIRE. That's our phone number. 888-997-3847. We'll see you next week on the Total Financial Hour. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.